So here we are, another episode of Living an Ultra Life, and it is my incredible honor to have Mr. Chris Hayden from Sheridan, Wyoming, on the show with us this time. I got to know Chris in the Bighorn Mountains, really. Incredible guy who's got some incredible background in ultra running. So really excited to have you here, Chris. You ready to go for a run? I'm super, super excited to be here, Mike, and appreciate the uh, opportunity. Yeah, definitely ready to go for a run anytime. And yeah, this is this is good, great podcast. I listen to it frequently, and I'm super glad to be here. So cool. Well, it it we'll, we'll have some fun. So let's start out, Chris, with you know, kind of tell us a little bit about who Chris Hayden is and how you got into running and eventually ultra running. Well, I obviously reside here in Sheridan, Wyoming, been here uh, pretty much all my life, work at the local Chevrolet dealership and have for, for a long, long, long time. But I uh, got into running thanks to my, to my older brother. Uh, I've got a couple of brothers that are really good athletes, and, and he, he talked me into running a half marathon relay in Arizona and Scottsdale. And we finished that. It was a rock and roll relay, as a matter of fact. And we finished that, and, and I thought, you know, that was a lot of fun. And then uh, we should, we should think about maybe doing something different. It's really tough living here in Sheridan with the Bighorn Trail run in your backyard, as you know, and not sometime getting the itch, whether you go up and try to help with an aid station, or even if you're just up there camping and you see this, this thing going on, cause it's such a big event. But that little, that little uh, run there led you, led me to in, into other things. And then pretty soon, you know, 26 miles wasn't enough anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's weird how that happens, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm very, very, very blessed and very lucky to continue to do it. But that was first round was, uh, I think, 2014. And it's just kind of gone from there to where we're doing several ultra marathons a year. And we, we try to try to limit it. You know, I'm 40 going on seven years old now. And so there's only so many hundred miles a year a guy can pull off. First of all, if you, if you got more things to do than train, it takes a lot of time to put that many miles in to put your body ready and, and, and at the same time be healthy. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at and kind of what I do. And it's, it's, uh, I got a little different training patterns and habits, I think, than a lot of people do. And in, in the sense that I go one day a week and I just go uh, a long ways in one day. And that's right. I remember you talking about that when I was there in June. And that's a little unique. So tell me how you came up with the one day a week and go as long as you can. Well, I just kind of made it fit. I uh, work a, a job that requires a lot of hours during the day, very similar to a lot of people. And and so, you know, I pick a, a weekend day and I just go, but it takes a long time to get your base to that point. And of course, I got, you know, some spin cycles and things like that here at the house and the gym memberships and that kind of thing where I can go do some different stuff that way. But I own a landscaping company as well in the summer. I think you know that, but yep. it just gets to the point where I just get overwhelmed and I just don't have enough time to put in. And and if you're going to go for a training run, if you're preparing for a hundred or whatever, uh, such as last Sunday for me, I'll leave the house at eight and I'll get home at three or four in the afternoon. And sometimes uh, a couple of the hours can be just getting to the trailhead, a certain place in, in whatever strategy I'm training for. And some of it just might be lacing it up and leaving from the front door and, and, uh, and going, but you're going to be out for four or five, six hours. So I've just felt, you know, I felt better and, and everybody's got their own style. I'm, I'm pretty lucky, like I said, that I, I was born, uh, built like a runner and just kind of have always been that way. And, and so my body can withstand some things, but it, it, it doesn't like the everyday pounding. And I just don't have time to, to put that in, but it, you will have to, everybody will have to put that in at some point to get to the point where they can get away with it right. once a week, twice a week or whatever. But that's just kind of, the, it was kind of one of them deals where 
I got a lot of things to do and a lot of hobbies and a lot of things I love to do and, and running is way up there and I just have to force myself to make time to do it. And that's just always seems to be either Saturday or Sunday, depending on which in Wyoming here, which day is nicer out. Whatever so, day it's not negative, right? Yeah, that was kind of the way it was this, this weekend. It was like 10 below Saturday and, and we had a heat wave at zero degrees on Sunday. So I snuck out on Sunday, you know, there so. you go. I miss those days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I ran earlier this week and when I went out, it was like 36 degrees, but it was rainy and windy. And I'm telling you, it was more miserable than any negative degree day I have ever done in Sheridan. Wow. I got done with like five miles and I was like, I'm cooked. This is ridiculous. So yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. Exhausting being angry. Yes, it is. It is amazing. So when did you run your first ultra marathon and what was it? Well, it was probably, probably the Bighorn 32 miler. And that was probably in 2016 or 17. Okay. Well, if you ran in 2016, you probably passed me. That was, that was the heat year. Remember that? It was the heat year. It was, and it was, it was extremely hot and yeah, it was a rough year, especially down towards the finish line in the Canyon where it gets really, really hot. Yeah, um, it was. And it was, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough course anyway, because it starts out at, you know, what, 5,000 feet makes its way to 8,000 and, and uh, a very short while and comes back. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that was probably 2017. And then for me, it just kind of progressed with the Bighorn, especially just every year, you know, in the Bighorn is for those that don't know, there's an 18 mile run. It's all, it's all up and down the mountain and it starts at 18 and then we go 32 and then it goes 52 and then it goes hundred. And you've run everything except the 18, right? I've run it. I've run the 18. Yeah. Oh, you have run the 18 also. I've run, okay. I've run everything. I've run everything in that, and that race there is to run. And I, and I finished the, the, the hundred three times. That's so. awesome. Very, very proud of that. It's like I said, that's a world-class event that for me, when I travel around and you've seen it, you've been on the course. A lot of the listeners here have been on the course. It is really something to see. And there's a lot of really awesome races in the United States and I'm probably a little bit biased, but part of it's the, the course, part of it's the camaraderie and like folks like you, I mean, for those that don't know, you know, Mike flew up out to Wyoming this year just to be on the course to help the runners come through. And that's the, that's kind of the way a lot of people, the Bighorn are, they're, they're athletes. If they're not bike riders or rock climbers, they're something. And they come out for no pay, for no, for no, nothing other than just to be on that course to help the runners as they come through. They're so proud of their local people and their heritage in this race. And it's just really an honor to be part of it. And so, you know, it gets to the point in ultra running where the camaraderie and being there to pace. And I know you've done that a lot, Mike, and a lot of listeners have too where it almost is as important to take somebody else through it as it is to take yourself through it at some point. You need to finish a few to get to, the, to there, but, you know, you start feeling good about that and, and somebody calls and says, hey, can you get me through this or can you help pace me through this or whatever? Man, I've had more fun doing that than I actually have wearing my own bib. So that's a really awesome thing. Yeah, I'm totally there with you. It, it's, it is an incredible delight to finish an ultra marathon, but to to run with somebody and watch them cross that finish line. I think I've gotten more joy out of that than even finishing. I could not agree more. Of course, you know, being so extremely lucky to be picked, to be part of the, the Christy Haswell 
Moab 240 attempt. I still. I am so glad you started with this. I wanted to talk to you about this because that had to have been one of the iconic events for Sheridan people to watch what Christy Haswell did at Moab. And you were a part of that. You were a huge part of that. But that uh, talk a little bit about, because Christy's going to be our guest. We're trying to arrange some dates here, but Christy's going to be our guest down the way. But kind of talk a little bit about this Moab 240 thing and the Sheridan team that showed up and really took the, the whole Moab 240, I think, seen by surprise of where did this gal come from? Yeah, it really, really took me by surprise, if I'm being honest with you, because that's a that's a colossal event. We talk about it, we assume things, and we take for granted a lot of things. I think about that every time I'm out running, and I know you do as well. And, and if every ultra runner doesn't, they're crazy. But if you go out, what you're asking your body to do and the amount of blessings that you're asking for is unbelievable. And what your normal is, is not normal. It's just not. It's not you know, normal at all for most people. And we take a lot of things for granted, but I, I lean with that just so I can tell you that for a human being to run 240 miles in 83 hours, I can't even wrap my mind around that. No, no. We had a, a, a really some unbelievable pacers, some in the sense that they were really strong on their, on their feet and some that were really strong in their mind and could really help her get right and, and almost just keep her mind off of what she was doing. And that would be where uh, the gentleman that I paced this year at the Bighorn really is good. He, he's a really funny guy. He's real fun to be around. And, and he has a tendency, Steve Lineman would be his name, to, to get with you on the trail and almost make you forget what you're doing. And that's in a race like that is unbelievably cool to have. And and I don't really have that ability, but I can get, I can get from point A to, to point B pretty fast, and I can help you get through some some tough spots if you're having them. But the crew we had consisted of some really world class runners, and and Christy is a is a really awesome athlete. But again, it takes unbelievable amount of willpower and a lot of blessings and a lot of luck to get through 240 miles in 83 hours. But when we were coming into those aid stations, further into that race people were really tracking us and I was trying to get some live feeds out and trying to make sure all the locals knew because she's a, she's a local County commissioner and she's kind of a really big deal in our community. And she was running for a fundraiser for the local, what they call the hub, which is our senior citizens center, which is really a big deal here. And so that was all, it was all money raised for that. And I think that's part of what was pushing her. She's a really good athlete. He's got a really big heart, doesn't know how to quit and uh, has done some really cool things. But I think a lot of what was pushing her was knowing what her cause was. And she nev never lost sight of that. And we, we ended up doing really, really well for that cause. And that was awesome. But we had, we had Carrie McMeans there, who's a, um, I, I, I don't know how many now, but probably at least in the seven or eight hundred mile finish races and has won some things and done, she's just a, really a tough woman mentally, physically. She's one of my training partners and just a great lady and a great friend of the team. Um, was on the course a lot with her. And Steve Leinemann was on the course a lot with her. He's done a lot of things. I got lucky and was able to spend, I think, 80 miles of that course with her. And then Will Reedy uh, was there for, for 
quite a few miles as well, her brother-in-law. So there were some really cool things and she had laid this out. We had had several meetings and she had laid this out. Here's the shoes I'm going to wear. Here's the socks I'm going to wear. Um, here's the, the time I'm going to have my sticks and here's the time I'm going to have this and this gear and that gear. And as you walk through those meetings and I'm preparing for a hundred mile race now, Mike, and you know what that's like, you got everything all laid out. And like Mike Tyson said, you know, you've got a perfect plan, right? Right until you get punched in the face. Exactly. So what was really awesome about that race was she never deviated from that plan. The only time she deviated from that plan was when she planned on sleeping. She never once slept as long as she had planned to sleep. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, that was the only deviation from the plan. If, if she said, I'm wearing Nikes at mile 82, she had Nikes on at mile 82. Everything was laid out. Everybody had a map. Everybody knew exactly when she expected to be at that station or that spot or, or whatever she needed in that area. She'd write notes to herself and put them in the drop bags. Uh, she'd write notes to her husband and her crew. I'm going to need my watch charged. I'm going to need my phone charged. I'm going to need this headlight. I'm going to need, and everything she laid out and she let it be known early on. She wasn't going to get crazy about it. But she said, look, we've got to stay with that plan because, you know, as many of us know, and I know you definitely know this, Mike, you lose your mind. You, you stop thinking correctly after so many miles. And that there's no secret to that. Everyone knows that's going to happen, especially in a race like that. You're definitely, you're going to lose your mind in a hundred mile race, much less a 240 mile exactly. race. Um, exactly. Exactly. So, as she lays out that plan, she says very specifically met with every team member and said, this is what I'm probably going to need from you as we climb this mountain pass and it's two in the morning and it's 40 degrees out. So just know this is what I'm going to expect that I need. And I'm not going to be able to ask you for it because my mind's going to be mushed by then. But she really did good staying with her plan, knowing that, you know, she wasn't going to be able cognizant to make a plan as she was going into that race and it got deeper and deeper. But as, it, as we got further in and she started getting feedback from people as to where she was at on that course, that really started driving her, really started motivating her. And she'd say, okay, I'm going to lay down and sleep for four hours or five hours. And two hours later, she'd have her shoes back on and want to go again. Wow. And, so at what know, point did she realize that she was going to podium? The last live feed I did was about 15 miles from the finish line. And she came in and I think I was pacing her in. And then I, I turned her over to Carrie who Carrie was going to take her to the finish line. And I, and no, I, no, I got that wrong. Mike, Steve came in with her and I was at the, at the change point aid station. And I saw the second place female, the third place female come in. The third place female came in at that point, Christy was in fourth and she got in the back of a little pickup and laid down to take a nap. And when nobody on the team wanted to share that information with Christy, because she was, you know, 235 miles into this race already, right. Or 225. Yeah. And so we're like, Hey, you know, let's just one foot in front of the other at this point, nobody tell her where that lady's at. Cause if, if, if we tell her she's liable to start racing and uh, you know, it could be, it could be unhealthy. So we saw the lady come in, Steve, we, we dolled her up got her new shoes on and got her new shirt on or whatever we did, got her out of that aid station. We all watched her pass that lady who was asleep in the back of that truck out, wasn't moving. And we, and we, she'd been there for like an hour, hour and a half. Wow. And so we saw her come around and Carrie looked at me and said, we're in cell service and I want you to call me when we have two miles between us. 
I said, okay. So, you know, being a good pacer and a good crew team member, I called Carrie when they had four miles between them. Okay. And said, Hey, you, you, you can, if she wants to walk, it's okay. She, she's got four miles and this gal hasn't even moved. So it, you're safe. And so that, that, at that point, then Carrie said, Hey, by the way, you just passed number three. You're in third now and you have four miles between you and her and 11 miles in. And wow. it happened exactly like we thought it would. She, at that point, started making really good time because she was really excited and she yeah because she wanted to race yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> that's I mean, christy I, yeah i don't know of a of a thing in, at least in my lifetime in in athletics i mean obviously you know um there's a lot bigger things in life but in athletics i'll never live to see anything top that in my mind i mean the effort that was made is just unbelievable to me. I mean, we've, yeah. we win, we, we've got some really pristine athletes in our community and we've won a lot of state championships and a lot of different, you know, uh, sport sporting events. And there's never one, in my opinion, that will top this. It's really gonna have to be something huge. A state championship in football is, is a big deal. Basketball is a big deal. There's a lot of sports that are really a big deal, but for one person to make that kind of effort yeah, and, and come in third overall, in a 240 mile race, which is the biggest ultra marathon in the States or was at the time they're, they're starting to kind of try to produce things a little bit bigger now, but that's unbelievable. And so I was really, really proud. And I hope, you know, I, I really hope she listens to, to hear this and I talk to her all the time. So she, she knows I remind her all the time, but that's a really big deal. It is a huge deal. And uh, it was one of my prouder moments to be able to say I was from Sheridan, Wyoming, and, and I actually have run with Christy. So it was fun. I was watching it on the live feed, watching your Facebook, watching the tracking. And my wife will tell you, I went nuts. It was so exciting to uh, to see Christy do that. But you, Chris, have done some pretty amazing things too. So let's talk a little bit about some of your ultras. How many hundred milers have you run now? I know you've run and finished Bighorn three times, which is huge. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I've been blessed enough to have uh, six. We had one during COVID that we, that we finished that doesn't really count. I mean, I, it counts in my mind, but it doesn't count like on ultra sign up or whatever. If yep. Look. Yep. I have the same thing. Isn't that yeah, great? That wasn't real, but <laughs> my, my only hundred mile finish has been during COVID. Yeah. So I've, I've been really lucky. I finished the bear 100 recently, as you know, I did the um, Rocky raccoon last February, which is so far, I don't know that I'll ever top. Hopefully I do this upcoming weekend. I'm definitely going to try, but I did the Rocky raccoon 122 hours flat. Right. And, and you and, finished top 25 in that one. Yeah. I can't remember Mike, if I'm being honest, I can't remember, but that to me, a sub 2400 miler is, is really, that was kind of a, a life goal. And hopefully I can have more of them because it's a, it's a really good feeling, but it does, you know, for me at least, I mean, cause I mean, I'm, we're not, we're not talking about Jim Wamsley kind of athletes here. I'm, I'm, you know, I can run really fast, I'm a, but I'm a mid packer to, to a back to a rear packer all day long on ultra marathon stuff. Right. I mean, I'm not going to ever say that I'm in the, in the front three quarters or front and half of the packs. I'm just not, if I feel good at mile 80, I might run pretty fast, but at my, at, you know, I'm not trying to win anything. I just want to be out there and I want to finish. Finishing to me is winning, but 
been really lucky. Uh, I'm going to try to get as many sub 24s as I can. I'll just say right now that when I sign up for the Bighorn 100 this year, my goal is to finish in 24 hours. That okay. Not- so 2021, 2022, your your goal is to finish in in under 24. Under 24. So I've got some pretty fast pacers lined out. I look real forward to that. And I know the course obviously extremely well. You know where you can attack the course. You know where yeah. you can attack the course. And and that course, and your your Garmin may be a little different because the advertised overall altitude gain, I think, advertised is somewhere around 25,000. My Garmin's showed between 25 and 28. You know, there's a lot of gain there. And that yeah. is a really tough course. And and so, you know, to pull that off in 24 hours would really be something. And, and uh, <clears throat> so I look forward to that. But I've got, um, I'm not sure what I'm forgetting. There's one in there I think I'm forgetting. But I've got the Cold Water Rumble 100 coming up January 15th, um, which is, again, pretty minimal climb at low altitude at the perfect time of year. Oh, temperatures are going to be awesome. Yeah, so hopefully you know, um, we can, we can do our thing and pull hard on that one. And that'll be a lot of fun. I look forward to those kind of events. I like those kind of events. And I know you do too, because it's easier on my crew. And a lot of people forget how hard these things can be on your crew. I mean, I've yeah. done a couple of pretty colossal ultra marathons in Moab and it, that's a really tough place on crew because they can't hardly get to the next day station before the runner gets there and they really got to move. And and uh, so they're working all day while you're working all day. And the Bighorn's really tough that way, as you know. To try oh, to man, Bighorn. I always tell people that that they all want to go to the they Sally's to Footbridge, and they all want to go there. And it's like, you, you no, really, you don't want to. <laughs> that is the worst aid station to get to, and it's just tough. And there's not a lot of room there. I don't think a lot of people realize how very little room there is at Sally's Footbridge. It was crazy when I was working it this year. Uh, that's the first year I've worked Sally's and man, I'm telling you what, I was overwhelmed by the number of people trying to press into the aid station. That is not the easiest place to get to. I cannot tell you how many people, <laughs> you know, this have, have gotten stuck in one of the cricks trying to, <laughs> trying to get in and out of there. So, I mean, no, it's, it's, not, it's crazy. It's- it's that way pretty much all the time. So what I like, and I did a, a, a Stand Hope Ultra last year, and we had the, a, a motorhome, Steve's motorhome with the Jeep Wrangler behind it. And we got we got both of them stuck trying to get in. Oh my gosh, that one and Moab a couple of times. The crew had that same motorhome with the same Jeep behind it, and we got in some pickles there too. But these events that do loops or these backyard ultras are such a pleasure. Christy Haswell and I went and did the, the Rocky Raccoon 100 in February last year, like I just talked about. And she had an ankle injury that she was she was fighting and fighting and fighting all through training. Well, she ended up tapping out of that race at, I think, like somewhere around mile 30. Oh, wow. And that was a 425-mile loop race. Well, it was my lucky day because she was she had time to run to town to, to Olive Garden to get soup and breadsticks. Like every time I'd come back around, I'd meet her in the same place. So she wasn't running. She wasn't making a huge effort. She had tons of time for me to get back to that spot again. And every time I came back there, she had some other fresh, hot entree ready for me. And, you know, she did this without doing too much effort because Olive Garden was like three miles down the road, right? She just drove in the in a the rented van that we had and come back. And so these events like this are really so much easier on the crew. And and this one we're going into now is five 20 mile loops. So okay. they all have 
you know, three and a half hours, four hours to take a nap and wait and just get things ready. And, and uh, so I, I just really look forward to those events because like I said, I've been on both sides of this and to be the crew member, as Gina knows it, it it's, it's taxing. Like the, yeah. these people, they don't sleep any more than the runner. Does. Exactly. The they're doing different taking maybe 200,000 steps less in a 24 hour period or whatever, but they're working and it's, it gets to the point where you start kind of having to, you got to kind of approach them in a different way when you say, Hey, can you donate a couple of vacation days to just chase me around? I mean, exactly. Not, anyway, these events really are appealing to me for my crew now. And, and uh, so that's good, but yeah, there's tons of events around me. I'm in, I'm in for the Leadville draw. I think you already know that I'm in yep. for the draw this year. Uh, I was in for the Western States and didn't, you know, that, that, that event is just so big and with COVID everything's gotten pushed back in the lottery and it's just gotten to be tough to get into any of them. But um, you sign up for five, you'll get into two. Exactly. Yep. That's enough. So what are you doing in September? I don't know that I have anything on the docket that I've bought into yet in September. There's a couple 200 milers and I think you and I had talked about something, but I, yeah, Sangra. Sanger to Krista, 200. I'm in. You yeah, should come down and run that. You would love it. And you said, how? what's the distance? It's uh, 200. Well, it ends up being like 208. But it, it's a perfect course. You would love it because you go out, you go up Music Pass, you come back down, and then you go out like 26 miles with three aid stations, and you come back to the central spot again. And so you keep on coming back to the central spot. So basically, I'm not going to use a crew you know, to go to any of the aid stations, I may get a couple pacers just to pace me, you know, middle of night type of thing, but you don't really need a crew and you can come back to the same spot and, you know, catch a two hour nap each time. It's, it's a really unique course. Well, that, that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty awesome. And I think other than 48,000 feet of gain. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's the tough part. I, I, I do, you know, um, I do aspire at some point here um to to run a cup you know 200 mile race that's that's something that's definitely on my agenda mike and i think that you know uh sometimes i look at my age and i think that might be a, a blocker but let me just tell you and and you know but we talked about this earlier and you started you kind of led in with this when we started talking here but what continues to drive me watching the people you know, the camaraderie in ultra running is something, and I've been in a lot of sports. I've, I played extremely high competitive tennis and racquetball and, and football and baseball and all those cool sports, so to speak, in, in high school. I've never seen camaraderie ever like I see in ultra running. I've done some pretty lengthy bike races as well, and there's a lot of camaraderie in riding, cycling, but, but the camaraderie in ultra running I've never seen anything like it. It, it. it to me is unbelievable, but you see people from every walks of life, man. And, and it's unbelievable. And, and a lot of ultra runners that are going to listen into this started out in an aid station. They went out and they volunteered to do an aid station at some ultra marathon somewhere. And they saw somebody doing this that was over their prime years wise, or maybe in their mind overweight, or maybe not healthy enough to be out here or whatever the challenge was they had. And they come into the aid station at three in the morning at mile 80. And all they can do is thank you for being there. Yeah. And they're broken and they're limping and they're probably bleeding and they're so kind and they're getting it done. And, and you, you just look at them and go, man, I, I have no excuse. Like this is unbelievable what I see. 
And so, you know, for me to, to aspire to do a 200 mile race at 46 years old, and especially folks like you that are putting 3,500 to 4,000 miles down a year, and you're what, 57, Mike? Yep, 57, be 58 this year. Yeah, so that's that's just not not a good enough excuse for me. You know, I gotta I gotta get it done. But the the things you see on an ultra running course is life changing, in my opinion. I mean, you see some things that just are unbelievable. So, what is the spot where the the body no longer wants to move, and now you have to have something inside of you that says, okay. From here on out, we're just going to put one foot in front of the other. What's that mental thing for you, Chris, that helps you get to the finish line when everything inside of you is telling you, throw the towel in, this stinks? Well, there's been some turmoil uh, that I've seen, you know, um, and my life's been really good. I'm very blessed, just like you are, but I got a lot of faith for one, just like you do. And, uh, you know, so I'm very faithful and I, and I, you know, maybe start asking for a little something here and there or whatever, you know, and blessings wise. And I always count them as I'm on the course, you get a lot of time to do that, but there, there's people out there, man, that, that can't, you know, they can't do whatever the task is, right. They can't walk, you know, maybe they can't talk, whatever the case is. And, and to be honest with you, man, when I get really deep in the pain cave, I start thinking about those people, like, what would this person do? to take another step? What would that person do to feel the pain in the legs that I'm having right now? You know, things like that. So that's kind yeah. of what keeps me going. And, and, you know, um, very similar to you. I know you're, you've got a lot of faith and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of ultra runners do. And if, you know, I think obviously they should, we're very, very blessed people to be doing what we're doing, but yeah, there's just probably the, you know, I've had a really good life. I'm not, I mean, I'm very, very blessed to the point where I can't even count all of them, but there are people out there and you see them every day that don't have that card to play. And, and that's kind of probably what drives me is, you know, um, just like, you know, living, living the ultra life. It's, it's every day. It's, it's every day you get up, you go to work. It's one step at a time. There's days that are better than others. And there's times that are better than others. And, and truly I, I love to run, man. I love to be on the trail. I don't care if it's in the middle of the night by myself with my, with my music playing or a podcast playing or nothing playing or whatever. I just, I love to run, love to be, especially in events. That's just something, you know, um, that I enjoy doing. It's like, like I tease with my friends that, uh, that think I'm crazy, just like yours do. The, 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 my side of it is I, I, I need a therapist, but I can't afford one. So I just exactly. <laughs> it's the it's the cheapest therapy you'll ever do. So it's funny. It's funny because you know you, you talk about like my friend Steve or even even Carrie or or all the training partners I have, and I've got lots and lots of them. But some of them came from from like the How to Run a Hundred Miles YouTube video. Like you come home and you say, "Hey, Mike, you should have seen what I saw today." Well if those people are, are blessed and they've got any motivation pretty soon, you're not going to be coming back and saying, Hey Mike, guess what I saw today. You're going to be sitting, maybe having a cold beer or whatever it is together sharing what you saw today. And for a lot of people, that's what happens. You know, you start running and Steve Lineman has been my best friend since I'm seven. We're 46 years old now. And he would always joke that he wouldn't run unless a bear was chasing him until I didn't, a couple of pretty unbelievable things got real lucky and finished. And then I came back and said, man, you should have seen this. This was so cool. And this happened and that happened. 
And then I talked him into coming and being help Chris Carroll at the bacon station at the big horn there. And yeah. The next year he the next year he was running he was like man these people the people i that i saw doing this he he's in good shape and he as you know he's built like a runner just like i am and, and yeah and i have no excuse i'm getting off the couch and this is what we're going to do now and so now the weekends on, on sunday afternoon or whatever we're talking to the other people and then saying hey this is what we saw this is what we did we've been to cloud peak you've been there it's just there's uh, god's everywhere yeah where you just want to sit down and look around for a minute and stop your watch and say, look at this. So, yeah, you've done the solitude loop, haven't you? Have you ever done that? I have. Is that the most, that's why I'll come back to Wyoming is just do the solitude loop again. Uh, Just, oh my gosh. Amazing beauty. That's, that's one of those places where you just want to stop your watch, quit tracking anything. That's at all. I didn't use my watch when I did it. Yeah, just take the opportunity to sit down on every rock you see and look at every pond you see and and just just really take it in. It's unbelievable. And so there's a lot of places that way. I mean, I've been to some events, the Bear 100 recently. I I, I could have stayed up on top of that that mountain and looked down at, at Bear Lake all day. Yeah. Beautiful scenery I've ever seen ever. But at that particular point, when you do at the Bear, mile 91 to mile 103, is is straight up like wow. it's like some kind of sick joke somebody thought up it's like <laughs> so you finish like, going up yeah like wow you're like you're not going and you're not you don't finish going up but like if you look at the trajectory of that of that race every aid station is down in the flat and every you take about four steps out of the aid station you're like oh this is great and then all of a sudden you're straight back up again <laughs> wow every, and like, like I said, from mile 91, eight station, when you come out of there, you're like, your chin is on the dirt. You're just, you're just going, what kind of sick guy fought this up at mile 91? You know, I mean, who is, who's mad at me? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, at that point though, you're just, you know, you're just strutting it out, but you know, they, these places and, and again, you know, uh, part of my drive comes from what can I see next? What am I going to see? What am I going to see Saturday evening? You know, in, in Arizona, it's going to be, I can't wait. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the bear was beautiful. The bighorn's beautiful. Leadville, I've, I've run there before. You have too. It's unbelievable how awesome these places are, you know, that, that you can go and run. And, and honestly, once you get there, it doesn't cost you anything. Exactly. You, you have and just go. I'm going to have to get you out here on the East Coast to come do something Beast Coast. I'd love to. Yeah, I got a lot of traveling uh, coming up right now. I'll be... Arizona and then it'll be Florida after that. But I got I got no problem. We'll we'll plan we'll plan for a 2023 thing. Yeah. I could get oh, you know what'd be awesome? Get like the 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 crew out here. We get Christy out here and Christine and uh Steve and Carrie and ah, that would be awesome. Maybe we yeah. can even talk Nick Flores into into running um, again. Nick's Nick's running and Nick's Nick's a sore, you know, he's a, he's a rusty spur. I don't know if you yeah, know that or not. He is. He's amazing. He's, yeah, he's done sub 24. Yep. For those that don't know, that's a sub 24 bighorn finish. And that's a really big deal. And, and uh, he's done it. And he's, he's a, he's a strong kid, man. He, he's really strong and he, he'll be, hopefully uh, he'll be on my, on my team to pace in June. And he's, awesome. he's the guy that, you know, the biggest fear I have in life, uh, Mike's, you know, um, similar to yours, if you, you, you know, you take on a runner and even if it's a mile 80 and you've seen it and other people that are listening, have seen it. Um, one of the most embarrassing things that could possibly happen to me would be to, to be left on the course as a pacer. Yeah. 
you know, at mile 80. And I see it frequently and it just, maybe, you know, it's just bad luck to me, twist their ankle or some, something happens. But if you come in to, to run with somebody that, you know, maybe can, can strike or can, can attack that course at mile 80, which the big horn, I could. Yep. Just cause that's where you want to nail it. That's lucky, but yeah. it's, it's pretty extreme down for a while there for about eight miles is really hard on your legs. But you know, if you know where to attack that course and, and Nick does and, and, you know, there's a few others, you know, uh, John Curlin's going to help me. Oh, cool. He, okay. He knows the course well. Him and I are going to do the um, rim to rim to rim and, and March here coming up. I think he's a top 20, you know, 52 mile. Yeah. He was like, I want to say he did the 50 in under 12. I want to say it was somewhere around 10 yeah, he's in strong. 2019. Yeah. He's strong for sure. So I look forward to that. And he had some injuries there. You know, he's, he's, uh, He's an avid skier, so he had some he had some yep. ankle and knee issues there that he knee issue. He's back to running. Nick Flores is back to running again. Those guys glad to hear Nick's back to running. He is one of my favorite runners. So he, when I was really struggling in 2017, when I had that you know like six DNFs in a row, really struggling, he took me up to Little Horn Canyon and ran with me, and and I kid. He ran with me. We ran up to Leaky Mountain, and I think I made, made it to Leaky Mountain once, and he probably made it twice. But um, just spending time, you know, on my footwork, helping me to understand the different ways of placing your feet on the trail, to help me to be a smarter runner. So yeah, Nick Flores is is an amazing young man, and well, he's he's, yeah. uh, he's very gifted. He's he's. He, you know, we all are, but he, Nick is just, he's got the build and he, you know, I love running. I can always see him on the trails. And of course I, we run the same trails frequently. And, and if you don't already know this, um, a lot of the Sheridan community land trust trails that we have, and I, and, and I'm lucky enough now to be on the board of that. We, we have connected so many trails together, whether it be on red grade or in town, you know, such as uh, black tooth park and, and that area, there's at 18 miles of single track trail there. That's pretty challenging. And I can always look up and see one of my fellow, you know, ultra comrades. I can see them for a long ways away. Yeah. How it's them. And especially Nick, two reasons. One, because he's going really fast. And two, he, you know, he looks like the characters from born to run. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Just so smooth. And, and, uh, you know, he just got that way about him. It doesn't look like he's making any effort at all. And, and so, but yeah, he's very blessed. And of course, you know, part of it too is he's young, you know, yeah. he's a lot younger than I am. And, and I mean, that's all, it is what it is. The funny part about ultra running is you don't typically see young people finishing a hundred miles. No, I don't no. I don't know if you notice that or not, but yeah, it's, it's thirties, mid thirties and up. It seems to be it's the... a really mind boggling thing because I'm, I take great pride whenever I can, and I'm not saying I do it every time, but whenever I can, and I'm not just completely broken or so behind in calories or, or, or hurt something bad happening. I try to take the time at the finish line like you do, Mike, and see the people coming in because the people coming in are the inspiration for me to keep going. Yep. Like ooh, the people that have been on the course for 30 hours plus are the heroes of every event, in my opinion. They've been out there so much longer. They've been grinding so much longer. They've had to make so many more changes and adapt to so many more things. And 
you know, things have obviously not gone their way. Um, that at the finish line, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, and being a back of the packer, one of, one of my favorite things to do when I finish is if I, if I happen to have finished before the last hour, which, you know, happens sometimes it's been happening more and more lately, which is really weirding me out. But, um, I always go back out for the last hour and I, and I do it for a couple of reasons. I want to be there to be as loud as I possibly can to cheer those guys in because man, the, the people who are finishing in the last hours and the people that are finishing as the finish line is being taken down, they're my heroes. They're the ones that have persevered and done something that they're just amazed at and they're never ever ever going to forget it and i want to be there to help them remember that and i think that's one of the that's one of the cool things about ultra running i i tell people the story of the very first time i went to bighorn and i don't it was uh 2015 and i actually dnf but i made my way down to the finish line and i will never forget i don't remember the person's name who won in 2015 but everybody was pointing at this person and he's out there waiting for the last finisher to come across the line that doesn't happen in the real world that was my first ultra official you know big ultra running race and it just so weirded me out because i was like wait a second this is not normal life this ultra running community is something special if the guy who finished first is coming out for the guy who's finishing last. Yeah, and there's there's been a couple. Uh, Scott Urich, I think, is is the one that really comes to my mind that has made it, and Carl too, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think those two have made it their their mo to, to be at that finish line with a cowbell in their hand, and and they're they're busted up, blistered, you know, blistered feet and cuts and bruises and knees taped up and iced up and trying to get calories back in and just sitting in their lawn chair just right at the finish line just yep. being obnoxious. And Casey Licktig is another awesome. another one of them. Man, when she finishes, she is always right back out there after she feels like she might be human again, cheering yeah. people across the finish line. I don't know another sport. I just honestly don't know another sport. You look at like Courtney Dewalter. These people are so unbelievably friendly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they are. And, and it gets to the point on the course where you can see it once in a while where it starts disturbing somebody. If somebody's like, for example, at the bear, we saw a gal that was trying to take a nap right off the trail. Well, it happens. I mean, she's just, she's crashing. Yeah. She's tired. She just wants to lay down for a little while and take a nap. Well, there was a train of people. There was probably 15 or 20 of us with just a mild gap between us. And I watched it, turned my headphones on, my headlight was on, and I was I turned my headphones off so I could hear. And the, and the first person in the train of 20 people stops, looks over, and says, are you okay? And she says, I'm fine. Okay. I got you if you need me. If you need anything, nope, I'm fine. He goes, next person stops. Hey, are you Okay. And this goes on for 15 people. Yep. 15th person, she finally just got up because she wasn't going to get any sleep. She figured she wasn't going to get any sleep, so I might as well go finish. Yeah, but it was like these people authentically care so much about you. They will hand you whatever's in their pack. Like, are you hungry, Mike? Yeah. Yep. Just have every calorie that I have that I'm counting on. You just eat it all. Go. Yep. And, they, and they will. It's, it's unbelievable to, to me to see what goes on. I mean – they authentically do care about each other more than 
any other athletes I've seen, and I'm not picking on anybody else, but I, yeah. just, well, I wrote an article a while back and it was called, uh, if society were more like the ultra running community, we'd be okay. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I, I believe that with all my heart, I've never been around people who know how to encourage you just by being around you in the pain cave, suffering with you. And it just made you feel better, made you want to keep on going around. That's what the ultra running community is like. And it's, there's nothing like it. Yeah. If it's a point to point race, um, you're going to make a few friends. You're going to see people that are right in your wheelhouse for a while, but if it's a, if it's a backyard ultra or a loop or a timed event, it is, you, you will leave with six new phone numbers and exactly you know, six new emails. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, you're, you are friends. Yeah. You and I, we met, we met on the course, you know, we, we did in the, on the trail and, and you will leave with these people knowing that they're your friends and, and, and it's just awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a special, special community. So let's, let's kind of uh, end this. So you're sitting down with coffee with somebody who is interested in running their first ultra marathon. What are you going to tell them? Well, I would tell them, uh, ultimately, I think my advice would be to have two goals. That would be my first, my first tidbit of advice. Goal one, maybe you've got some kind of time timeline in your mind. Um, goal two would be just to be okay with finishing in any amount of time. If it's the first one, people might want to be a little bit competitive depending on how they're, how they're, how they're wired. I'm competitive. You know, the, the team we've talked about in this podcast is all competitive. And at, at some point you just got to say, okay, I'm okay with 32 hours. I just want to get to the finish line of this thing. Um, you know, one of my secrets going out is I'll let the gun go off and then I might go find the outhouse or I might walk the first mile. Yeah. I might, might do something to relax a little bit because I'm not 18 anymore and I'm not going to just come out of the cannon because that's not, that's not sensible to do that. So we've got to make sure we know what it is we need. And it's tough to know that until you have a little bit of experience, but it's tough to give that advice the first go around, right? I mean, you can't even give advice. It's tough for me to even give advice about shoes because what works for you doesn't work for me. Exactly. I run, I run ultra like you do as well, but not solely because I, my, I just don't have the flexion that you do. If I start, if something starts going on in my legs, I'm pulling on my calf or I got a cramp here or something. I'm going to change brand completely. Right. And I, I might purposely go to ultra to get a different angle. And that helps me. Yep. Um, but to know maybe what your, what your safe thing is, like if you're really in the cellar, like so deep, what can your crew give you that you know is going to buy you at least some time to get out of that pain cave? Exactly. Especially if your stomach's gone sour or if, yeah, if your stomach goes sour, I always tell people, you know, if, if your stomach goes sour, you got to pick one thing that, you know, you can force down. You, you just got to have that either in your pack or you got to have that in a drop bag or you got to have it with your crew. And you just got to know that, you know, you're, you're going to have to suck it up at some point. Um, well, just no, know, know, you know, it's tough to even know your body as well as you do, Mike. It takes a right. long, lot of time to know that, but, um, <clears throat> You know, for me, 
it's it's and everyone in the crew knows it's coffee and it's pancakes with syrup. Yep. If I can't get anything else down, those things and the amount of sugar that's in syrup, and I don't do sugar in my life, so I do it on the course. And when I do it, it it's like giving it to the to the kid. <laughs> you know, it does it does work pretty effectively for me. And but just knowing um, that this is going to get ugly. Like you got to make sure you know that it's going to get really ugly. And, and, you know, if you're somebody that typically gets a sour stomach, let's make sure we, we have things in our pack for that. Let's make sure we've got leg cramp pills, if that's something that, that has happened to us before, but um, tr- we got to train well enough to know our bodies and we've, and we've got to know on race day that we're not doing anything different. We've got exactly. And we can't go using a product we haven't used in training. And if they don't have it on the course, and this is something I'm dealing with right now with the race I'm going into. Um, if they don't have what, what it is you know works, not necessarily that you like, just that you know works for you, then you better take it with you. Exactly. Yeah. I my everybody, everybody uses Tailwind, and all the races out here in the East seem to be Tailwind races. And uh, tail, Tailwind does a number on my stomach. And so I bring my scratch with me. And uh, everywhere I go, my scratch labs, electrolyte and my fuel endurance is with me. And every, you know, my Jenny, Jenny now knows that if it, if things look like they're falling off track, get me some electrolyte and uh, send me back out again. I'll, I'll be okay. So it's, it's real nice to know, you know, I guess that would be my advice to people is, is, um, you know, a, a tidbit of advice at least is it's, it's real nice to know your person. If you got somebody in the crew that, that has a lot of experience and we've been really, really lucky because, you know, we've had Carrie and she has so oh, much experience. Yeah. You, you can think of having. And if you have that person on your crew, whether they're beside you and you say, okay, we're running this whole event together or if they're, you know, she runs an aid station at the big horn and when you come into her aid station, if you're broken, especially anybody that's on her team that she has seen, it's pretty easy for those people to fix you. Yep. Uh, you go out there uncrewed. It's tough. I got a good crew in this race and I've got one person in particular that has said to me and and she's an RN has said to me, what is it that I can do for you to make this better? Wow. My, my advice to her was, and I'm being honest, I, I think I've got this pretty well dialed in. And my, my daughter will be there who's never let me finish a race without her. She's 27 years old. She knows what I need. If I come in, she's, she's like, you know, Gina, for you, she knows what I need. And, and I've, I've written notes to myself, just like you probably yep. do. I've said, hey, on this loop, here's probably how you're going to be feeling. Just get to sunup. Sunup's a new day. It's a new day for every ultra runner ever. When the sun comes up, it's a new, it's a, it's a new time. And so I've written myself these notes. I've been through this. My advice to them, and this isn't everybody's advice, but I'm telling you, this is one new person out of a crew of five people that are going. And my advice to her was find the person that doesn't have a crew that you can see coming in that aid station. Lap one, you probably won't be able to identify that person real well. Lap two, you should be able to notice now that there's nobody waiting for him or her. Find that person, watch out for that person. And when they come in the second time, the best thing you could do for me is what somebody could have done for me at events I've been at that didn't have a crew. Exactly. That person and say, when you come back four hours or five hours from now, 
what one thing can I have ready for you? Here's my phone number. If there's cell service, please call or text and let me know you're coming. I will have anything ready you need me to have ready for you. That would be the biggest thing you can do for any ultra runner, whether it's the one on your team or not. Wow. So, Good for you, Chris. That's awesome. Surprised by that answer, but you've been there. I've been there with no crew. Yep. It's really tough. Oh, it's, it's very tough when you go crewless. It's uh, not fun. That's why when I have friends that are going out and doing ultras, I crewed a friend to his first hundred miler in September. And I was like, okay, I will take over heading up your crew and we're going to get you to the finish line. And it is an incredible feeling when that person gets across. But man, it is even better. I watched two brand new runners who basically were in their first year running and they're a couple, they came out and I was so proud of them because they would get in the aid stations and they did just that. They, they observed and watched runners that didn't have people and man, they were, they were being the crew for people who didn't have crew. That's what the ultra running community is all about is taking your eye off of yourself and being willing to help somebody else. That's why I tell people if society were more like the ultra running community, we'd be okay. We've got to get to this point where it's not all about us and our goals and our objectives. And it's more about what can I do in the midst of going after my goals, in the midst of pursuing what I want to do to help somebody else achieve something also. Yep, that's for sure. Living the ultra life. I mean, whether it's at work or in your daily activities, man, it's it's uh, one person on the course, one person in the in in the office at that at that computer, one person working on that vehicle, one person whatever it is. But there's a whole support crew behind them. Exactly. That's what makes the whole thing work. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a unique thing. It seems like an individual sport, but it it really isn't. It isn't. It is so far from being an individual sport. A lot, of, a lot of balls in the air and a lot of parts per million to have it, but you gotta, you just gotta make sure that, you know, I, I count my blessings every time I'm on that course. It gives me a, it gives me a reminder very, exactly. you know, very quickly. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, and I, and I'll, I'll just end it with, with this question to you as a, as a guy that oversees 52 employees and I'm very slanted in this, but if you walked up and handed me a resume and all that resume said, was I have finished this many ultra marathons? I might hire you just based on that. And the reason is because there's no reward for this. Like exactly a hundred mile finish at the bear. It's a nice belt buckle that nobody will ever wear. Exactly. Yeah. When you take that resume and you go, Hey, this guy's really, really driven to, to do something for some reason for no reward. Yep. Other just to feel good about what he did. That that means more to me than any skill you could ever have. Yep. I would totally agree. I'd be going, okay, when do you want to start? Yeah, Beyond the fact that we get to talk about running all the time, it's yeah. just you you know that this person has done something that is beyond what they thought they could do, and they did it without thought of, geez, what am I going to get for this? Exactly. And they, they're not going to call in sick because there's no days, there's no days off yeah. the training. Yeah, exactly. That's the most important part, isn't it? They're not going to yeah. call in sick. <laughs> yeah, it takes it takes it takes a thousand miles to prepare for a hundred. You know, it certainly does. It certainly so. does. And you're doing it a unique way. And I, man, I am so excited for you. I cannot wait to hear about your sub twenty four. You're in a week, right? 
Yep. Saturday morning at 6 a.m. the 15th and, and 100% hopes to be, you know, through that finish line and, and uh, waiting for the rest of the runners and, and uh, whoever it might be and maybe even my crew and who knows, maybe even Steve. Hopefully I'll be in a lawn chair by six o'clock with a cowbell in my hand in a perfect world. So we'll see how that, that would works. be awesome. Cool. Well, Chris, thank you so much for blessing us with being a part of living an ultra life podcast and uh man i cannot wait to get back out to sheridan and get running with you again or someplace our paths are going to cross someplace there's there's bound to be a trail that we're both going to be on at the same time soon absolutely man i can't wait that's what that's what it's all about it's traveling and seeing places you haven't seen absolutely 